Hi everyone, welcome to another podcast here on Rogue Opinions. My name is Scott McLeod and we're here with the first podcast as part of a big weekend of wrestling. This weekend we've got Fight for the Fall, which we're going to be covering here. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be having a podcast for Extreme Rules. We might be doing something with Evolve, which also happened this weekend. You know, it's just so, so much wrestling this weekend and to, to help me through this. I have the Frankie Gazarian to my Christopher Daniels. I have Carl here joining me. How are you doing, man? All right, I like that. I'm a big fan of uh, Frankie Kazarian and Chris Daniels, so I'll take that one. Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. I mean, it's not just wrestling. I mean, today's had sport coming out of our ears, the Cricket World yeah. Cup, uh, Wimbledon final, the F1. It's uh, non-stop. Also, the G1 climax is happening. I mean... How am I fitting all this in with work and other stuff? It's crazy. Yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, again, I had to think of something EW related for that for that intro. It was either going to be that or Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. <laughs> I'd have been Jungle Boy, I take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, there's so much wrestling going on because. With all the stuff like the current week to week stuff with WWE, like you said, the G1, I've not even got past the all of the Dallas show yet, and I've got to watch some of the retro stuff for the things we we Jimmy and one of us connect one of us is gonna have to add more wrestling to their to their schedule with uh, what loser here I'm to join the loser of Nathan and Jimmy's Extreme Rules Predictions contest to watch and review ECW December to Dismember, one of the most regarded. Uh, worst pay-per-views of all time. Yeah, it's it's infamous in its uh, badness, isn't it? Really. Yeah. It's not something either one of us are, are particularly looking forward to. No, uh, and we were going to go through the card. We made some predictions. We're going to talk about how the scores changed as we go on, and we'll tell you by the end uh, who event who unfortunately has to sit through this torture. Because it actually did come down to the main event, which always makes it more interesting. But uh, Carl, we knew did a review of Double or Nothing for Rogue Opinions, but uh, it's actually me and Jimmy for Fighter Fest. So before we move on to Fight for the Fallen, I want to ask, uh, did you watch Fighter Fest? And if so, how did you enjoy it? Yeah, I watched Fighter Fest. I enjoyed it just fine. I know there's a lot of criticism. Um, it wasn't as good as all in or double or nothing, but and I don't think it was ever going to be. I think the the all-ins and all-outs and the double or nothings are going to be their main pay-per-views, like their WrestleManias and SummerSlams and things like the fight in the fall. And I, um, Fighter Fest, sorry, getting the, they're that similar. I'm getting them mixed <laughs> up. I think, I think these are shows almost to keep people's interest before the TV show starts, if that makes sense. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be a long space of of nothing. And you you know, while they're hot, they've got to keep keeping the in the eye, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Like there's clearly a difference in some of the shows, and like double or nothing. And I presume all out will feel similar in that they're the big shows, whereas the show was all about the the proceeds going to help victims of gun violence and the last one being in association with CEO Gaming. So like they're these are very much smaller shows in association with other like, causes. But they they still do their best to put on a great card and they did that 
uh, last month, and I think there's a lot of stuff to enjoy about this card as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, it's interesting to see how we find uh, each match because I've already seen some uh, some mixed opinions uh, online as, as there were for the last show. But uh, we'll get into it. Fight for the Fall, and it took place in Jacksonville, Florida at Daly's Place. A uh, really good-looking venue, the way it was laid out. Apparently, it was designed by uh, Tony Khan's father. So that probably explains why they chose that as a venue. What did you think of the, the look of the show? It was very different from the shows we've had so far. Yeah, it was. I, I quite liked it. It almost had a, had a more open feel to it, didn't it, the, yeah. um, the arena? Yeah, it was more so an outside event. And being in Florida, I think that's why they chose that, because it's going to be kind of warm out and... I think yeah. they were they were suggesting on commentary that maybe that may be enough affecting some of the guys as they went as they were wrestling later in the night with the humidity and all that. Anyone who's ever been to Florida, like <laughs> myself, will attest it. It is stifling out there. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. I've sadly never been, but uh, we had the buy-in and we had on commentary uh, Alex Marvez and and Excalibur who would later be joined by JR when the main show started. And we had two matches as part of the buy-in. We had Sonny Kiss taking on Pierre Avalon, the librarian, joined by the other librarian, uh, Leva Bates. She had a match at Fight for the Fault. No, she had a match, sorry, at Fight for the Fault. You'll do it now. <laughs> yeah. you, you started, Carl. <laughs> she had a match at the last show as part of the buy-in against Ali. And you can listen back to me and Jimmy on our back catalogue, talking about that show and our thoughts on that match. Uh, Jimmy in particular was not very kind to that match, but as regards to this match, how did you uh, find this match? Well, I'm not going to lie, because I, I had work and I've got other things going on today. I had to skim, I had to pick and choose what matches I watched all the way through. So this one, because it was on the buy-in or whatever you want to call it, I did sort of skim through it. So... I don't really have much of an opinion to give on it. Well, it was relatively short, and I think it was really just a showcase for both guys. I've never actually seen Peter Avalon wrestle. I've seen some of his skits on some of these Road 2 shows they've had for their shows and the uh, his skits on being the elite. But, uh, I've seen Senecus a couple of times. He was part of Lucha Underground before. His name there was Exolicious, so he was like, equally like... Similar equal, gimmick, but yeah, equal, different like, name. Yeah, very similar in character. And it was very, relatively a short match, but still very talented. Uh, uh, Sonny Kiss had a big entrance. He, he had cheerleaders and everything. He had some athletic spots. We had Tim doing kind of a very wild style, like moving back to avoid. And he was walking back kind of on his hands. And then he flipped through and he liked to kick Peter Allo in the face. And we had Leo Bates trying to get involved. But eventually Sonny Kiss would pick up the win with a split leg, uh, well, he did the splits and kind of splashed Peter Avalon off the top. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, I did see this. I did see the finish, and I wouldn't know a better way to describe it either. But we both had Sunny Kiss for this match, didn't we? So uh, yeah, it was off as a tie um, at one apiece. But yeah, I think the right person won. To be honest, yeah, definitely because. As talented as Peter Allen seemed from the brief uh, showcase that he got, is, I do feel a bit bad for him and Lever that they've been kind of the whole purpose of the librarian gimmick is they have two because the, the gimmick they think the gimmick is a joke, 
and I think a lot of people are not reacting too positively to it. So they're kind of like they're kind of being. I don't think people are too excited to see them, yeah, even though they're very it, talented. Isn't it supposed to be like some sort of in joke or something? I don't. Not many people seem to get it, do they? I, I, I certainly, I certainly it, don't. I think the whole story about it was it was a twenty can idea, and it was meant to be a joke on like promoters getting too involved and pushing their ideas on a show. So uh, they had this whole idea where they were forced to make the librarian work and the Bucks had one idea of who they wanted the librarian to be, whereas Kenny had a different idea, so they ended up picking two librarians. Like I said, I don't get it either, but like hopefully it won't make too negatively impact uh, Leva or Pierre because they're probably very talented and I have a bad feeling people will just probably will not really give them a chance because of this gimmick that they've been given. But we did move on to a tag team match. It was a women's tag team match. It was quite confused because leading up to the show, I was I was led to believe that the six-man tag that would, that would open the main show was actually on the, the band, but I guess they decided to switch it around where it would be B. Priestley and Shoko Nakajima taking on Dr. Britt Baker and Rio. Uh, Rio was victorious last the last show Fighter uh, Fest in the Triple Threat match and she looked really good in that. She managed to get a pin over Nyla Rose and I think they're really starting to uh, integrate some of the Joshi women into the roster fairly, fairly well. Yeah, definitely. Um, all all, um, all three of these women, look, four of these women, look pretty great. To be honest, they seem to have. Uh, from looking at how the sort of jumping ahead, looking at how the match ended, I think they've got big plans, especially for uh, Britt Baker and uh, B Priestley. I would say. Yeah, uh, this would be B Priestley's debut. She was announced, and they wrote it all or nothing. But she this is her debut here, and she came out with the Queen of Stardom Championship that is the main belt in the Stardom promotion and her she is also the girlfriend of Will Osprey and they basically with their commitments to New Japan Stardom basically basically live in Japan and now she's been able to make a splash more worldwide hopefully now in AEW. Uh, were you familiar with uh, B Priestley before this? Yeah uh, I've seen uh, mostly on the World of Sport thing on um ITV, but I have heard of her and seen her on YouTube clips before that as well. So yeah, I am a, I am aware of her. I think she's quite. I've, I've seen a lot of people give her a bit of stick, but I think she's pretty good from what I've seen of her. Yeah, she's the main champion in Stardom now, so she's obviously doing something right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I became first aware of her. I knew she was a part of all the sport, but I first became aware of her through uh, the former WCPW, now known as Defiant Wrestling. She was. A big part in starting up their women's division. She had some great series of matches with uh, Nixon Newell, now Tegan Knox in the WWE. Uh, they had a particularly good last man, last woman standing match, which is on YouTube. I can recommend people go look for it. Uh, they did make a point in this match about they really rarely did like any double team moves or big like tag team spots because the the commentators said that maybe. They were teamed together as kind of a means to an end because at the next show, All Out, they are going to be introducing the, the women's championship. So in the case of the, what these women in this match, it's basically they just want to get a win to put them in good standing for when that championship is introduced. 
Yeah, definitely. It looks like uh, it's possibly going to be between B and Brett, maybe, or possibly, Brandy yeah. might interject herself into that. Yeah. One of the one of the Yoshi wrestlers might as well. It's going to be difficult to say who's going to be the first champion. It looks like they're preparing Brett for it, but you never know. Yeah, well, I think it's a good thing that it's kind of difficult to see because for a showcase of many different types of uh, women on this roster from uh, or nothing to now, we've been introduced to new women like some of the Joshi wrestlers of the likes of Kylie Ray, Britt Baker and Nyla Rose. So it shows us a lot of talent. So it means it should be very competitive when they get to crowning the first champion. And there wasn't really much else to talk about on terms of the buy-in because they had a, a back the interview with Cody and Dustin, and then there was another one with uh, Kip Sabian. But other than that, there wasn't really much to say. So moving to the main show, your commentators, as I said, were Excalibur, Alex Marvez, and good old JR. What did you? How did you find the commentary on, on this show? Because there were some people who were a bit worried about JR and his, some of his calls at Double or Nothing. Yeah, we should also point out on the tag match that uh, your team won. He picked uh, B yeah. and um, Akajima. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so you you went into a two-one lead there. Uh, yeah, it was. I was in the lead there, and I was very happy about that. And I think I thought maybe Brett would be would be a safe bet because she is much well known to quite a few people being the Stardom champion. And it was her debut, and I get why Britt Baker would also be a show because she won the technically won the first ever women's match in all elite wrestling when she won the triple threat double or nothing. But it was one point to me at this stage. But uh, as regards to the commentary, how do you find it? Well, I like Escalibur. I think Escalibur is on point. Um, Alex Mavez, I, I'm I can't get on with him to be honest. He's he's probably a good sports commentator, but he. He doesn't. He's not a good wrestling commentator. Is the best way to put it. Uh, Jr. He, he he's still good in patches, but he does come across a bit out of touch. I mean, I do love Jr. I don't want to bash him too much, but that's just my honest opinion. He seems to get lost a little bit at times. So whether he hasn't followed as closely some of these newer stars and some of these indie stars that AEW are bringing in. Uh, I'm not too sure. Yeah, and I, I didn't really mind Alex Marvez at first, but he's, his role is clearly a play-by-play guy, but when you've got uh, like of Excalibur, who's really coming to his own as a commentator, and JR there, that role is really... They can really handle that role, so it doesn't really seem like there's much place for him. Uh, it was He wasn't here at the last show. It was uh, Golden Boy who filled in in his role. Yeah. I thought it was much better. Yeah, same here. I thought these three were actually a better team. Did mean Jimmy we were commenting at the last show about how much better the commentary seemed to get. So I think those three were a better team than uh, these three. So I think if you swapped out Alex Marvez for going by the commentary, it would have been a lot stronger. But I think JR holds on for some of the show, but I think some of the parts where it would cut to the commentary and they were meant to transition to the next match. And talk about what was coming up. That was where it was most evident uh, that JR got a bit lost at times. But we would open with a six-man tag team match. Would be the team of MJF, uh, Sammy Guevara, and the now referring to himself as the chairman 
of AEW, uh, Sean Spears, taking on the team of Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, and Joey Janela. Yeah, my pick was uh, MJF's team, and you had Darby Allen's team, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I, I did. I, I thought going into the whole uh, the thing where MJF will tease, is he actually Cody's friend or isn't he? And then the incident between Sean Spears and uh, Cody at the last show, that would cause some friction between the two. There was, they were clearly arguing. I thought that was going to play a bigger role in the finish of the match. Than yeah. Because there was a spot where uh, MJF was mocking Sean Spears, wasn't he? With uh, doing like the, was he doing like the perfect, the, his old perfect yeah, the, 10 yeah. thing or something? Yeah. Yeah, he did the cover and then he held up the, the 10. Yeah. And, so yeah, I thought I thought there was going to be a bit more of falling out, and there, there seemed to be a little bit of friction at times on the other team as well. To yeah. to be fair, so it's. What were uh, sorry, I didn't get a chance to say. What were your thoughts on the uh, the chair the chair shot spot from uh, Fighter Fist? The, uh... Yeah, I mean, I thought it was odd at first. I wasn't too sure if it was um, a work or not, but it does appear to be that it it did go wrong. Um, not com- completely opposed to shots to their head as long as they're not doing it all the time. I mean, if you're just bringing it out once in a blue moon for shock value, but it's it's not something they want to be doing a lot of. And if yeah. you're trying to gimmick things, make sure you it's right or you hit them right because. I've seen it from a different angle where you you can see the edge of the chair hitting wrong. So obviously it was a a bit of a balls up on all on all sides, really. Yeah, I mean I know they try to try to gimmick it, but I think the risk involved, and I think it's just best that they didn't really try it at all. But it does give Sean Spears a lot of heat, and going into this match with his, his shirt that said the chairman on it, and uh, well, it's not really. I haven't seen it advertised anywhere. I have seen talk online that apparently. It will be him versus Cody in a first blood match all out. All oh, right, that'd be cool. I've not I've not seen that advertisement yet. Mm. I mean, I got I had to watch this show late, so I've been uh, staying off the internet so not to see spoilers. Mm. Um, he seems to have a much more serious gimmick now than his mm-hmm. perfect ten persona in WWE. So, be interesting to see um, where Sean Spears go and and how high he can climb. Uh, in the ladder in AEW. Yeah, I think it's a good start so far with the... He's already got a lot of heat and he's going against Cody, who's one of the kind of kind of the guys behind the scenes who's in charge of the company, so it's definitely a good start for I mean, him. And let's face it, he's married to Peyton Roy, so he's a winner, whatever happens, <laughs> yeah. in my view. He may not be the winner in the ring, but he's a winner in life, and that's the important thing. <laughs> It is. Uh, but like you said, there was some friction on the uh, the sort of face team by default uh, of Jimmy Havoc, Joey Neal and Darby Allen and but big complaint with the chair shots, but it was also not just the risk involved, but the fact some people thought it took away from the, the performance of Darby Allen and it kind of overshadowed him and they've actually kind of worked that into this where Darby Allen cut a promo that it was meant to be his moment at Fighter Fest and Sean Spears took it away and he, he was so desperate to get in the ring with Sean Spears and then when it was those two together, Sean Spears immediately tagged out so as not to give him that moment, which I thought was really good. And Sorry, you were going to say? No, no, I was going to say, yeah, good heel tactics to, 
to get heat, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a pretty well put together match. I, I enjoyed it. It's a good spot. Um, yeah. I enjoyed where Joey Janela did a Death Valley driver to Sammy Guerrero on the ring apron, the hardest part of the ring, you know. <laughs> do you think? Yeah. Do you think that's a bit of a jab at WWE because they really do sort of hammer that home when they get a chance, don't they? And I know that's a staple of WWE to say it's hardest part of the ring. Yeah, I think possibly. Although I do think apparently it is legit the hardest part of the ring. Because I think they're just using that as a way of kind of selling the uh, severity. Yeah of the move, the fact that it's being done on the ring apron. But one thing I really noticed about AEW is, and we'll get to some other examples of it later on, but the multi-man tag matches especially seem to be where they get some of their best action. Yeah, I mean, tag tag wrestling on the indie scene, I think it's big in um, Lucha Underground and stuff. I mean, it can be really good, but (laughs) for some reason WWE just can't seem to book it right, or they can't be arsed with it. Apparently, Vince Vince doesn't like tag teams, is what is what you hear. I can't believe that because tag teams were a big thing back in the eighties when Vince was yeah. um, just getting his feet, you know, feet wet with uh, running WWF as it was back then. But uh, yeah, I mean, why it's always on the back burner in WWE? I don't know. I mean, tag team wrestling can be great if it's booked properly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look at just to look at NXT and NXT UK with some of the tag teams they've got down there. They've put on like countless great tag team matches and just like one of those things makes it even more frustrating to see how we can't get that kind of thing on like Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. And it really goes to show that AEW falls on its promises. Sometimes where like the Young Bucks said there was going to be a focus on tag team wrestling and that was going to be taken seriously. And it does seem like they've really followed through so far. And like I can see why this was the opener with all six guys are immensely talented. They were spots flying back and forth. He had the bit of a story as well with the tension on both sides. And while uh, Jim and Alex, they were technically all faces, they weren't immediately friends. And you could tell that uh, going in. Even referenced Joey Janela preparing for this match by wrestling the actual scum of the earth at a Blink-182 concert. Yeah, I like that. That was funny. Yeah, I was just wondering like how many people would, would get that and I haven't seen a lot, I've just seen a bunch of like really not high low quality cell footage of them basically just being backed away from each other, so I don't know exactly what happened there. So anyway, uh Sean Spears um picked up the win with a Death Valley driver on uh, Derby Allen, which I think was yeah. the the right way to go. I mean, he he needed a I think Spears needed a, a pinfall under his belt before he faces Cody mm-hmm. and uh, to get him rolling. Yeah, um, to pin yeah. to pin Alan as well after everything he's been saying in his promo and that. I think that was uh, the best way forward. And it also put me level at uh, <laughs> <laughs> to all on the uh, score sheet as well. So I was very happy with that one. I imagine you were. And uh, it was good to see him start off with a win because the only other really action we've seen him in wrestling-wise is he was in the uh, Casino Battle Royal, and I thought if he did, his team did lose, like, a way they could have protected him was maybe have him walk out on his team because he was sick of dealing with, like, MJF. But since he won, like, he pinned Alan, like you said, they have the issues, and Alan also came in with the uh, 
his ribs taped up, falling the the coffin drop onto the apron during the match with Cody and being sent into the the post. So I'm hoping this leads to something more. Once uh, you know, hopefully it is going to be Cody versus Sean at All Out. So hopefully when the TV starts out, we can maybe see a continuation of Sean Spears versus Darby Allen. Maybe Darby Allen will even get involved in Cody in this match with Cody. Yeah, yeah, I was about I was about to say that actually maybe. Uh... Darby Allen will inject himself in the match somehow or or something. You you never know. Things seem to be looking up for Darby Allen because uh, there's always a chance that he could get a rematch with Cody because their match went to a draw. There's no clear winner. And also he potentially has something with Sean Spears. So hopefully yeah. good things are in store for him. I notice every time he's in the ring, he's, he's so quick, isn't he, Darby Allen? He's, yeah. He's really good. I'm not, the first time I saw him was... Uh, his match against Cody at Fighter Fest, and he's done nothing but impress me so far. Yeah, I was fairly familiar with Forrest, but he's really impressed me so far in just these two matches, especially the match with Cody. But uh, we move on, we have a singles match as Brandy Rhodes stepping into the ring for the first time since AEW started. Apparently, our last match, according to commentary, was in December of last year, taking on Ali. And they've been teasing this tension between the two uh, for a while now. And then Brandy Rhodes gives this emotional uh, promo on the road to fight for the fallen of it. How when she used to compete in figure skating, how much pressure she put on herself. And how when it mattered, she would always uh, fall short. And she didn't want that to happen when she stepped in the ring. It seemed like they almost play, made peace until Awesome Kong came out. And seemingly in the corner of Brandy Rhodes, which... I think uh, justified my CD I, I made a while ago where I said there was a, after they announced the match for Fight for the Fallen, you seen footage of Brandy on the phone calling somebody asking for their help when it came to this match in Jacksonville. And after the thing with her introducing Kong to the four-way at Dolan, I think I assumed also Kong was the person she was talking to. And it seems like I might have been right about that. Yeah, it looks like you were. I mean, I picked... You picked Brandy for this match, and I picked yeah. Ali. And I was, you know, because Brandy's more of a executive. Uh, I was quite confident with Ali going over in this, and then the appearance of Awesome Kong, my uh, my confidence dissipated quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and rightly so by uh, a lot of the outcome. Yeah, I mean, like usually some people think, oh well, then Brandy's going to win, but then again. She introduced Kong into the match at Double or Nothing, and that didn't work out. So there was always the chance that Ali could just manage to pick up the win, regardless of Lost and Kong's uh, involvement. But she wasn't too physically involved. She just provided enough of a distraction that uh, she allowed Ali to kind of take her eye off of things and even help put Brandy's foot on the rope as well. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a spot that looked like um, Ali had it won, and yeah, she uh, grabbed a grabbed the leg and put it under the rope or on the rope, didn't she? To, and then distracted um, Ali enough so Brandy could hit her with a spear for the um, win, basically. Yeah, I, I think the spot with the uh, putting the thunder, I think Brandy may have been a bit far out, further out than she was supposed to, so it looked like Austin Moore basically had to almost drag her out the ring to, yeah. for that spot. <laughs> and uh, they did point out that uh, Brandy did take some time out of the ring with an injury her shoulder had to put a kind of a bionic plate in their shoulder and I think that was the shoulder she used for the spear so that's yeah, why they, they called it the bionic that. spear 
Which is uh, interesting enough, because kind of similar to like Lex Luger, he had the bionic. Yeah, uh, I was thinking elbow. that. Thinking that myself, yeah. Can't, can't wait for Brandy Rhodes and the Brandy Express leading into Chicago. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'll be the hero. <laughs> yeah. oh, that, yeah. I'm going to be disappointed now when that doesn't happen. I, I had to live through that. You've probably only watched it in retrospect, but I, I had to live through that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to remind you of such a hard time in your life. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, what did you actually think of the the headsets? Because I think some of the, at points some of Brandy's kind of uh, ring rust was kind of apparent here. Yeah, it was um, it was quite a, a shortish match, or I made it short because again it was one I chose to skip through parts of because I was short on time to to cram a four hour show into my schedule today. But yeah. Um, I mean, I, I thought Ali was pretty decent. The bits I've seen on her in uh, uh, Impact or TNT, whatever you want to call it, but she's not shone here yet. And as you say, Brandy, she doesn't wrestle that much these days, so she's she is bound to show a bit of ring rust. In all fairness, yeah. And uh, we even had a post match uh, beatdown where it looked like uh, Austin Combs kind of finished off Ali, and then she was confronted by uh, Aja Combs. And they had a bit of a, a face-off and uh, before Brandy Woods leads Austin Kong away. So I'm interested to see how that goes. I remember I joked before, like, uh, we have Aja Kong and Austin Kong. There can only be one with that name. Yeah, maybe they'll have a match uh, all out, perhaps. I don't know what that would be like. Being Austin Kong hasn't really wrestled much um, recently. And Aja Kong is uh, way past her prime, to be fair to her. Uh, also, also, another thing I, I picked up on is, I mean, Aja Kong's a, a big lady, but um, Awesome Kong was huge, you know, made her look small. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll wait to see uh, if Awesome Kong, if she's going to be a kind of a full thing, because she is starting to act, do more like acting-wise, like she's uh, starting in Glow, the third series, so that's coming out, like, I think, the start of August. Mm. So, and she's but, got a uh, Inside the Ropes uh, tour coming up. Yes, you can thank me for that plug later, can he? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but I think you had know, imagine she has the same kind of ring shape for that. I think she's most used to some of the ring parts of that film and actual being an actual wrestler. So I think hopefully if she does sit back in the end, there won't be too much ring rust. And... Yeah, because she had retired, so whether filming Glow sort of rekindled her, her love for wrestling again, perhaps... Yeah. And a big check from AEW <laughs> might not have helped uh, hurt in that area either. Yeah, probably not. I mean, she didn't really have to do much in the uh, the double arm match. She had her spots, and then she was on the outside for for most of it. Yeah, yeah I think that was to protect her more than anything, wasn't it? Yeah, probably. But yeah, this uh, brought me back up again, and uh, it was I had a, a one point advantage uh, going into the rest of the show. Uh, the fall, the next match we had, it was a, a triple threat tied team match. This was to determine who would face uh, the best friends all out, and the winners of that match will receive a first round by in the EW tag team title tournament. It would be the Dark Order, who we've seen make appearances in the past, uh, of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson taking on Angelico and Jack Evans, and a boy and his dinosaur 
that being the team name of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. And this is exactly, again, what I mean about the uh, what EW strong point so far, kind of being tag team style wrestling, because uh, the best match on the buy-in at Firefest by far was Best Friends versus SCU versus Private Party. And this is another match that very nearly stole the show for me. Yeah, and we both had Dark Order for this, so yeah. uh, the scores weren't really going to change in any direction, uh, no matter yeah. the outcome on this one. Um, I was quite surprised, actually, by how well Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus worked together. I don't know if they've yeah. teamed before this, because mm-hmm. I've not really followed Eva's career, if I'm completely honest, but they had some good uh, tandem manoeuvres and um, worked really well together. Yeah, I think they uh, they actually did start training, actually trained together for a while, and on being the elite every time they see them together, it's just constant skits of uh, Jungle Boy always on Luchasaurus' shoulders, like um, there, there's a skit of them in a shopping mall, and uh, Jungle Boy can't reach something, so he has to get up on Luchasaurus' shoulders <laughs> in order to get it. So it's pretty cool. I'm really glad to see Angelico and Jack Evans again because they put on a really good show and against the best friends back at Dull or Nothing. Yeah, they're, they're a good team. Um, mm-hmm. I've never seen anything of uh, Dark Order or Super Smash Brothers, as perhaps they were called on. Was yeah. that, is that uh, Shikara, is it, they were, they were I think they were for Shikara. They've been in, I think they were in PWG for a while as well. And they were, I think they had visa issues, so they had to, uh, they kind of left the beautiful for when they re-emerged on this new kind of gimmick. And uh, I think one of the commentators, I think it was Marvez, accidentally revealed that they were from Canada, even though their announcers from parts unknown. And then Excalibur kind of joked, like, Alex Marvez has exposed the fact that parts unknown is secretly Canada. <laughs> and uh, the Dark Order really impressed. I think once the uh, it was announced they were in this match and the best friends were going to be also all out, given that they basically been the tar- best friends have basically been the ones targeted by Dark Order. I think once this match was announced, it was fair to say that Dark Order were going to win, but I still think they didn't really take away from the match because it was still a great match. Like, yeah, our little spot where Uno was in the ring and then Luchasaurus gets tagged in, who, and Luchasaurus made him look kind of tiny. Yeah, so, I mean, he's massive, isn't he, Luchasaurus? And I, I didn't really realise how big he was until, as you say, he was standing by Evil Uno, and yeah. well, crikey, he makes even him look small. And so there's a spot where you can tag in the other teams as well. So he goes and tags uh, Angelico, who immediately tags Jack Evans. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> and then he's trying to hype him up to see if they can do this. So Jack Evans all fired him. He runs at Luchasaurus and just may as well have just ran to a brick wall the way he ran into him. I think it's because Jack Evans was looking the other way, so he wasn't paying attention, was he, when <laughs> uh, Angelico got the tag. So he quickly yeah. tagged uh, Jack Evans so he'd think it was him. Yeah, and uh, they were really good. What and Hillco Jenkins kind of stayed on the outside for most of the match, but then they did get their chance to come in and showcase uh, what they could do. But eventually, and also there was a interference with uh, Marco Stunt, who is in the uh, kind of the corner of Luchasaurus and uh, and Jungle Boy. He yeah, spot and yeah, died to the outside, assisted by Luchasaurus, but. It would come down to uh, Stu Grace and Evil Uno getting a double, double team manoeuvre, kind of the Corey special in a kind of diving cutter combination on Jungle Boy, and they've earned their spot all out, so we know it will be them. 
versus the best friends and the winners of that match will get the first round by in the EW tag team title tournament once uh, the weekly TV starts up in October yeah so that'll be uh, uh, very interesting yeah um, I don't know who would win out of the um, Dark Order and uh, best friends really so it'll be an interesting match yeah, I don't know what way could go there because uh, getting a buy in a tournament seems like something a heel would get and Dark Order are the heels but then again they have been really pushing uh, best friends they've got uh, two wins and tag action already so they're definitely one of the win wins wise they're definitely one of the top teams in AEW so far and that's something AEW likes to focus on the whole win loss uh, of each wrestler yeah definitely I agree with that it's more of a heel thing to get the buy but yeah it could go either way we don't know how AEW are going to work things do we yet yeah well, so I must say it's really a very interesting look here with the uh, the face paint and the blue kind of cloth around the gear. It looks like a cross between one of the Viking Raiders and the Highlanders from back in the day. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a skinny Viking Raider, doesn't he? Yeah. Pretty sure I even heard some people ch- chanting the War Raiders like War Chant. <laughs> it was very faint, but I swear I could hear it. I do like I do like the gimmick though uh, of the Dark Order and. Um... Yeah. To be honest, I like all three tag teams stand out and uh, and are different enough of their their gimmicks and uh, repertoires. So uh, yeah, they made for a you know a, a great match. I thought. Yeah, definitely, they've all got their own unique uh, characters. But we went to that match where I believe we both were very sure of the outcome. We have Adam Page taking on uh, Super Bad Kip Sabian, and I think uh, with Adam Page's. Uh, upcoming match with Chris Jericho all out to determine the first ever AEW World Champion. Uh, the result was likely never in doubt, but they did try and uh, add some stake in this match with uh, Kip Sabian going after the knee of Hyman. Hyman's knee always given it whenever he went through some of his usual offense and wondering like what would the backup plan be if Hyman couldn't get to all out. But uh, I don't know about maybe maybe these guys were a bit slower because of the humidity or because they were trying to focus the match around the knee, but this wasn't actually as good as I, I was hoping it would be. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't the best match in the world. It wasn't all I've seen worse, but it you know, wasn't the best match. I mean, again, we both had the same pick, didn't we, in our uh, predictions? <laughs> we both had Adam Page, as you said. It was pretty much a foregone conclusion. So, again, uh, you were going to keep your lead no matter what the result yeah. in this one. Yeah, I think it would be a very ambitious pick to... Uh, yeah, go for Kits even uh, considering <laughs> yeah. the uh, uh, I do worry about Hyman Page possibly being built a bit too built a bit too strong possibly with the uh, like getting these wins and lead up to his world title match and if he wins the championship then he'll have to be kept strong when he's champion and that's always the, the risk we assume here especially on WWE always when they pick a top guy they make him look a bit too strong which can really irritate yeah. the fans I don't think they are making him too strong just yet. Um, he needs he needs to keep winning if he's going to be going for the the championship and you know can compete on Chris uh, Jericho. I mean, Chris Jericho is another another level to Hangman mm-hmm. Adam Page. So I think you need to keep him strong. I would have personally, I'd have Jericho go over. I think you need his star power as your first champion. And you know the heel as champion for the good guy to to chase. I wouldn't have him win clean though. I'd, 
Yeah. But um, I, 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 that's personally how I how I would book it. But I'm no wrestler booker, so yeah. you know you can tell me I'm wrong, or mm-hmm. AW might want to do something different. But I think I think the the difference is with WWE's booking is they have you're seen as a new Romans that they take so much punishment in a match, and then they come back do do their two or three um, special moves and. And win the match quite convincingly in the end. I think that's the difference that Paige really had to work for this win. Yeah, and well, the difference between WWE and is made a point that while it's going to be two hours uh, live every week, not every superstar is going to be uh, featured every week. So even though he's a top guy, he might like only appear and maybe a backstage pre-tape on one week, and unlike. When like John Cena was on top, where John Cena would pretty much be on in a feature spot every single week, which can add can add to fans like getting tired of a character. So hopefully, if uh, not everybody's going to be on TV every week, they can use that to their advantage, and hopefully people won't get too sick of uh, Adam Page being booked uh, strong. I did like uh, they tried their best to kind of add some stages, match, even though it was kind of the results seemed to be kind of obvious. Even had Kitsu been kind of getting up in the face of the uh, that guy who's always in the front row of NXT with his yeah <laughs> yeah I think I think he got uh, I think he was seen a couple of times like and it's just it's just nice to see that where no matter what company he's there he's always trying to get in the front row and right in front of the camera so yeah there's a good spot where uh, Paige um, did like a tope or a jump out onto the on, into the outside onto the ramp and he, he sold his knee a bit didn't he after yeah. after he connected so they were they were going back to the knee story which then uh, Kip would work on he was like kind of baby face in his first appearance but he seemed to be more healing it up uh, in this match and I know we were saying the match perhaps wasn't the best but I thought the final the final few minutes was quite good where they um exchanged a few sort of pinning combinations before um, Paige eventually um, reversed or counted into his uh, dead-eye finisher, like the reverse um, pile driver, mm-hmm. which uh, got him the win, which, um, as I say, probably surprised absolutely nobody. And also, uh, when he was attacked by someone disguised as a creeper, I even wrote in my notes... Jericho disguised as a creeper attacked yeah. him before he even revealed himself because I know the commentators played dumb, but it was pretty obvious who it was uh, going to be. Let's face yeah. it. Yeah, I think so. And I did like how they kind of played with the time limits with the uh, page hitting the move. Eventually, just as they announced one minute remaining, so we just yeah. had enough time to get the uh, the cover because we've seen that effectively used last time with Cody and Darrell where the final, like, Buzzer went just before the hand hit three, so like it's nice when they can use these time these twenty minute time limits to their advantage. But I do agree with what you said that it was quite obvious it was Jericho. You could even see some of his hair. Yeah. <laughs> like I think it's the fact that maybe if there were multiple Coopers beating down Hangman, they would have been I would have thrown it down. But if I was just one lone Cooper by himself, uh, like showed, and then it was all about it was only when. He hit the code breaker at the commentator. Somebody said, "Reason like, wait a minute, that's only when it. That's when the light bulb finally went off for them." Yeah, I think it's daft. I mean, 
you, you almost see treating the fans like they're daft. And we know the commentators aren't going to be that daft. I mean, it's obvious it's going to be Jericho. So why not just say, I bet that's Chris Jericho under that mask and all this silly pretending we don't know who it is. Well, I think it's kind of what they're they're meant to do. Because I think if they just come in like, oh, that's just basically Jericho, then like they just basically defeat the purpose of Jericho hiding under the mask to begin with, to be honest. Well, in a sense, but as, a, but as I'm saying, not maybe not call it out directly, but sort of insinuate or or, or at least guess, not not play yeah. quite so daft. Yeah, well, not. But uh, Jericho does beat down Hangman quite badly. That's uh, the cover as I said. He even hits the uh, the new finisher, the Judas Effect elbow, and uh, kind of leaves Hangman not do. I think his nose is bleeding, and like they do play out the fact that. Uh, Jericho really only has he's only had one other match I think since the del- he's still one of the match and that's the match against Okada so I think they're playing out the fact he's been training while Hangman's uh, continued to wrestle for AEW and his knees not in the 100% so I think they're trying to tell the idea of like Jericho's the fresher guy and he's a veteran so there's all this going against Hangman when it comes to the match it built that all out Yeah I think it's an intriguing match and I think the build's been Quite good, not overdone, but um, they're building it enough. Uh, as you say, yeah, I mean, it looks like the odds are stacked against Page in the sense that um, Jericho's the veteran and uh, perhaps a bigger star. But then you could say Page is the you know the younger the younger guy. You've got if the match went long, you'd. You'd have to say you'd fancy uh, Page to have more stamina to, to come out on top. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the match goes and who actually comes comes up on top as a champion. Yeah, definitely, because uh, I can definitely like see Hangman coming out as the champion. Booking-wise, it, it makes sense. It seems like that's where they're going, but I think it'd be very interesting if they went the way you you think they should with, uh, with Jericho. When because like as he's been like saying lead up to this, like the only reason these people are coming to the shows is because of me. The only reason we got a TV deal is because uh, because of him. So it would really play into that idea, and eventually you can keep him doing that, and eventually someone shuts them up and takes the belt from him. So it'll be very interesting to see where they go. But uh, we move on to another tag team match. It's the Lucha Brothers taking on uh, Frankie Zarin and Scorpio Sky representing SCU with Christopher Daniels on the outside. And I thought, again, another strong tie match. Uh, the Lucha Brothers, uh, the SCU were the clear baby faces coming out in the Jacksonville Jaguar colours on their gear, and they had a version of the, the worst town I've ever been in shirt with the colours <laughs> on it. And this, this is right up there with the whole Kurt Angle, you suck, and that a compliment that's suddenly become so over that the fans cheer when they're being insulted and feel like Kurt Angle when people chant you suck, but that's their their way of saying we like him in that sense. And A bit like Kurt Angle. Yeah. Uh, this but, is one that will affect the scores because we went for different teams. I went for the Lucha Brothers. You went for SoCal Uncensored. And I pretty much needed this one to stay in it, really. So... Uh, I was quite on edge watching this match. Yeah, I mean, I was, I knew, I, I could tell at the time that maybe I was taking too much risk going for SCU, but given the scores at the time, I was even more hopeful 
everyone because that means it wouldn't come down to the main event. But unfortunately, this meant it did come down to the main event, which made it all the more tense for me when I was watching it. And I was hoping to just enjoy the main event without having to be so tense. But <laughs> focus on this match for now. Like they had once the Lucha Brothers got going, they had super kicks. They even took out a uh, Daniels on the outside with a super kick day, which Daniels responded and I gave a springboard moonsault, which then got him ejected from the ringside area, and then it became more of an even two-on-two match. But the uh, the Lucha Brothers would eventually come out on top, and weirdly, even though they've been featured so prominently, it's actually their first official win in AEW, having lost to the Bucks at Double or Nothing, and alongside Larry Laredo kids, they were on the losing side to the Elite last one, so... Yeah, that's yeah. Probably should have went with Lucha Bros because they needed the win more. Yeah, that's another reason I went for them. I mean, they haven't they haven't won yet, so I thought they were gonna they were gonna need a win eventually. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a, a good fast paced match. I mean, what you expect from the Lucha Brothers? I mean, well, both teams are so good, but mm-hmm. Lucha Brothers, I've I've not really seen much of them yeah. since I started watching AEW stuff. I've I used to watch Impact, and I've always been a fan of. Um, Chris Sabian, uh, Frankie Kasabian, sorry, and Christopher Daniels. Um, not too familiar with Scorpio Sky, but I've been impressed with him with what I've seen. Um, there was a close fall where um, I think Pentagon Jr. hit a Canadian destroyer, and my heart was in my mouth. I thought I was going to pick up my win there, but when they kicked out, I was like, oh, no, no, perhaps they're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was really hopeful for SE in this match, but Sadly, it was not TV, but I do think it does seem like SE are going to be a big parts of, of AEW. And I feel like going forward, this is what the dynamic is going to be with Kazarian and Sky being the, the tag team, whereas Daniels may pursue more singles goals. Because, uh, they, they did that sort of towards the end of their Ring of Honor run, where Kazarian and Sky were kind of the tag chance for a while. And I think their last match in their Ring of Honor contract was that when they dropped the, uh, the Ring of Honor titles back to the Briscoes. So they definitely have previous as a team, but Lucha Brothers clearly needed this win more on this occasion. Yeah, I think Daniels is also doing um, some backstage stuff as well, isn't he? Yeah. Producing and other, other bits and bobs. But after the match, um, the Lucha Brothers got a ladder from under the ring and attacked um, SoCal Uncensored. Christopher Daniels even came back out and got clobbered with the ladder. And they set it up in the middle of the ring, um, uh, Pentagon Junior and Phoenix climbed up the ladder and basically challenged the Young Bucks to a ladder match at All Out. And I think yeah. that's this is one thing I think people have got to remember about Fight for the Fallen as well. And if they start criticising it, it's um, it's a small, it's like a smaller show than your All Ins and All Outs, and it's also building towards All Out. There's a lot of stuff yeah. here that's building to the bigger pay per view. So um, I think there is some important stuff happening That's because they haven't got a TV show that's helping them build for their next big pay-per-view. And that's going to be that's going to be an awesome match. Young Bucks and um, Lucha Brothers in a ladder match, isn't it? Fair play. Yeah, definitely. I think I think the comparison I made with a, a Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fall and compared to the Lanthan and All Out is that these shows are kind of, uh, these two shows are kind of the, uh, the, Kind of like a clash of the champion, clash of the champions, kind of the smaller show with only a few matches, which then build to the bigger pay per views. Yeah, I think the better, the best example I can really think of are like a Saturday night's main event, 
you know, back in the old WWF days. So, like, I think they're taking the place of the TV for now until they get the weekly TV to really build bigger matches. And I'm very, I'm, I wouldn't say no to what your brothers versus the Bucks in a ladder match. And I was wondering whether, like, but it's also going to be for the AAA Titan Tales also because they need somebody to put at the top of the ladder. Yeah, I would Im- I would imagine so because Bucks defeated them for the for those belts. Was it a double enough in that match? Yeah, that match so, took place. Yeah, so um, the Bucks showed up in Mexico. They won the belts. They retained it all nothing, but Lucha Bros since won them back, and uh, they got to fight or fest at a AAA show. So oh, have they? Oh, right, yeah. I didn't realise. So I believe uh, this will be. A kind of a version of the, maybe the box three match if they hadn't already gone in Mexico, but I think the idea is maybe that they've traded wins in Mexico on kind of the Lucha Bros' own turf. But as far as this basically being the Bucks are basically some two of the faces of the company, both behind the scenes and on screen, and the, the Lucha Bros haven't been able to beat them in AEW, they've lost to them twice in a six man and a regular tag match. So I think it's more of a pride thing in that they want to beat the Bucks yeah. in their own company. You would have thought the belts would be on the line in that one, no. It'd yeah, still had a match, but it, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. It would be, uh, and perhaps the um, the the Luch brothers can go over in that match because uh, no one will have to be pinned if it's a ladder match. So it's yeah. it'll sort of protect protect everybody, won't it? Yeah, but okay, definitely. And we'll get to like the all-out cards that stands. But so far at this point in the show, in the show, we're looking like another strong card for AEW, but. Uh, this did change the score. We were back on an even playing field, uh, and we were both rarely certain going into this next match, where it was Kenny Omega taking on Shima, and uh, a match that come to were really big enough as a dream match. And the fact that these two had never actually faced off before, but interestingly enough, uh, this match was changed to a 30-minute time limit as opposed to the usual 20, which the other matches got, which I'm assuming is basically because. Uh, well, Kenny Omega especially is known for his long performances like he's, he's used Real Cada, like the 60 minute draw and all that so the Kenny Omega is not one for really a short match so they say to extend the uh, the time limit and I don't know but I'm hoping like they like they have like distinguished like uh, time limits for certain matches once they start like the TV and they get the title matches like so Maybe the title matches will have a longer time limit, and like main events will have longer time limits than like the usual TV yeah. matches. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm quite happy with uh, preliminary matches. Can't say that was very well, uh, <laughs> having only twenty minute time limits, and then maybe uh, um, sort of the main event matches. The um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for for now. Like the penultimate match and the main event having yeah. slightly longer. Um, time limits. I'd imagine. Yeah. I imagine the title match, especially the AEW title match, will probably announce no time limit. And I would, you know, I'd have thought it, it maybe even no DQ, you know, pin or submission to to win the title. I think that's how it it should go down personally. But we, we'll have to wait till um, all out for that. And th- I thought this was a great match. I mean, I, I was sort of watching it. I won't lie, as I was. Uh, as I just came in before, um, so I sort of watched it quickly about writing too many notes because <laughs> I didn't have a lot of time. But it, yeah, I really enjoy it. I, you know, fast, fast paced. I've not seen a lot of Seema 
um, beforehand. But again, he's really impressed me with his matches. Um, the was it a three on three tag, wasn't it against um, yeah. SoCal yeah. Uncensored? And um, the match against Christopher Daniels was good, but this was on another level. And you know, I can see what they call Kenny Omega the best bank machine. It was. Yeah. Uh, had all sorts, didn't it? What did you think of the match? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing the match last last time against Christopher Daniels, and I really enjoyed the match. I did notice a bit of leniency on the referee's part when they, they went to the outside and they had that spot where right, Kenny sat up on the table and she'd been doing the meteor from off the ledge. Yeah, that was an awesome spot. I, I did make a, a note of that one. I did enjoy that spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did notice the... I did though feel because Kenny kept going to need to stop Shima from using the meteor, but then he kept he kept using the move, and it seemed to kind of overdo, kind of overdo it at the point where it didn't kind of lost some effect. And then I do get the idea like he's hitting it, but because his knees have been worked on, he's not able to capitalize as much. But then then again, him using it over and over is not helping his knees either. Yeah, there was there was a bit there was a bit when he I think about three didn't he at one. From from behind and then off the ropes mm-hmm. um, onto another one, and I thought, Christ, is he going to get the is he going to get the win here? Because Kenny mm-hmm. was selling it like he was done, wasn't he? But uh, yeah. no, he, he he kicked out. Yeah, and he even had like, an airy crash on the apron, which again we should never forget is the hardest part of the ring. The ring. Yeah, <laughs> there's also yeah. a spot near the end where Asima. Rolled him up in, I think they called it like a Mexican cradle or something. And again, that was yeah, a long two two count. I was like, Christ, he hasn't got him this time, has he? But uh, yeah, should have known better, really. Yeah, I think that was the closest boss, uh, near fall on Shima. This part that's the nearest I thought he could have won it. But uh, K Omega, he, he finally is able to get him in a position to hit the, the one winged angel. Like there's a spot where Shima goes to run, but his knees kind of give out, which allows K Omega to hit the V trigger at the back of the head, which it's him up for the one-winged angel and that is enough to secure the win and I don't know about you but I haven't really had a chance to hear many like the newer like themes that people have been given for uh, as part of AEW because some people have had to change their themes and some people get to keep theirs but uh, I'm really liking I'm really liking Kenny Omega's like new theme song or what I've, I've heard of it because like he had a really good one in like New Japan but this one I think it suits him as well but I've I'm gonna <laughs> disagree with you. I wasn't that keen on it personally. It might it might grow on me. There's been plenty of uh, wrestler themes and songs down the years that, on the first couple of listens, I haven't really been keen on, and then they've turned into my favourite songs. As uh, no more I've heard them, so um, you never know. But for now, yeah. it, it wasn't really down my street, but. Uh, you just, uh, yeah, I might grow to like it. You never know. Yeah, I know. And uh, this gives Kenny his first singles win. And I don't know what you think, but I've heard some people say that Kenny Omega's kind of went down, slipped down a bit in terms of like the Totem Paul, who people consider to be the best wrestler in the world today, because he's not having as many cons- matches, he's not wrestling at that much a uh, consistent basis as he used to. I, f- I have a feeling that will change once the weekly TV starts back up with the. Uh, with AEW and he's featured a lot more and he gets to wrestle more of a schedule. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's clearly not there with uh, Seth Rollins um, on pay or uh, 
ring ability, I would imagine. But <laughs> um, I think, in all seriousness, I would have to say best at the moment is probably between Osprey and Okada. But yeah. if uh, Amiga starts wrestling on TV a bit more, um, he'll probably put himself back in the in the frame for that. And they're also really protecting his finisher. Uh, yeah. He didn't get to nail it against Jericho, so mm-hmm. um, it's protected there. And one, we you know, one hit with a one winged angel is uh, enough to put Seema away. So uh, yeah, they're definitely protecting uh, that finisher. Yeah, and I think. The whole thing of he's not wrestling consistently, I think, is a weird argument because while he's only wrestling occasionally now, he's still having great matches. Like he, was, he was the main event and double or nothing. The sixth fan he was involved in was great. This was a great match. So I think it's one of those things, whether you're a fan of quality or quantity, and it's weird that this is only his first like, proper singles win in the company so far. And... I remember thinking, like, oh, are we going to get something from, like, Mox, that maybe a pre-take thing, but then I remembered, oh, yeah, the G1's on today, and he's got his first yeah. his first match against Taichi, I believe it is. Because they were on about the, the, that match for this event, weren't they, at one time, but obviously with uh, John Moxley in the G1, that that wasn't going to happen, and it's probably a better spot for it at All Out as well, their bigger, their bigger yeah. pay-per-view. Yeah, definitely, and I'm looking forward to that. But I would, I did think that maybe they'd show a pre-tape that maybe Moxley would have done before, even for Japan. But you never, never mind. But uh, after this, we did get Jericho coming back out again, and they were teasing the whole thing. Oh, Jericho's got a live mic. What's he gonna say? And well, they didn't really say that much. Wait, that anything that bad or anything that controversial? Really, just he slid off the crowd. Uh, he called Brandon Cutler the Fox Cabana boy, but other than that, he didn't really say much. He really just complimented Adam Page. Yeah, it was just his uh, normal spiel and uh, it's sort of almost delusion of grandeur that AEW is this big because of him and his his star power, which I do like. It's very it's a very heelish thing to say, and he's and it suits his character. And he was also saying how imagine imagine if I lost. To Adam Page, that'd be the end of me. It'd be the end of AEW. So he's really selling that, like it'd be the end of the end of his world. So it, it was there, there is a story there if Page did beat Jericho in the title match, that Jericho could get even more or more unhinged than he already is because he can't take or accept the defeat. So you know there are some interesting ways they can go. Yeah. Yeah, it's the idea that he can't take any defeat because, like, you remember how he reacted to his loss to Okada, the whole, like, I always win, and he, he beat him up after the match, so, like, he definitely isn't, his character is one that can't really accept a loss. Uh, but he doesn't really get to see, like, that much controversial. I think they were just building up his appearance to kind of help the role they were actually taking advantage of his star power to kind of build anticipation and, like, help maybe shift some tickets for some people to see Jericho's on the show, but. They do have Hangman come out, kind of chase him off, and kind of beat him down. You can see some bruises on Hangman's face from the earlier beatdown. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if they're proper bruises or maybe done in makeup to make them look more more than they are. I'm not too sure, but I mean, he has got a point. I mean, when we were all watching that first announcement for AEW and when the Judas Mixer um, music hit, mm-hmm. um, I, I was on Twitter and a lot of people were saying. 
what, wait, no, they haven't, they can't really have Jericho, can they? And he came out and announced himself as a sign-in. I mean, you know, I think he is a, a big and important sign-in for them. He's, you know, a, a, he is basically a household name. He's got a huge star power, and that's why, for your first champion, that's why, personally, that's that's who I would go with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He does have his, his role in coming in. There's a reason why he's in this match against Paige. But we'll move on to the main event. It all came down yeah. to this. All or, all or nothing yeah. on, on this one. Yeah, we we're, both we're went... tied here. So, yeah, we'll... you went for the Rhodes brothers. I went for the Young Bucks. And, yeah, this is it. Yep. Uh, this match was announced as having a 60-minute time limit, which I think will be a common thing going forward with like main events and basically like the world title match going forward we had the Bucks and we had uh, the Brotherhood is their official name for Cody and Dustin and we had the kind of Cody's like uh, gear kind of match uh, Dustin's and kind of the, the black and red colour scheme that they had and for me I think this is kind of a match of like two halves where you had the, the Rhodes Brothers half or they kind of had their style of match where they were wearing down Matt Jackson and it was a bit slower. And also the Matt Jacksons were trying to uh, isolate Dustin because they thought maybe he was always the more vulnerable member of the team. But then once, uh, after the Rhodes had worked on Matt Jackson, he got the tight end. That's when the match really picked up and he had a more of the Young Bucks style match. It was the match you'd expect from a Young Bucks. When the Young Bucks were on the card, he had a lot of back and forth, a lot of double team moves, like the Rhodes setting the super kick on the Bucks or like uh, Cody being hit with a crossroads and also the referee getting knocked in so the Rhodes brothers had a double like shattered dreams. Yes uh, there was a bit also a spot where um, the Bucks put them in sharpshooters and then the, the Rhodes brothers got out of that and put the uh, the Bucks in uh, fi- tandem figure fours which I thought was uh, yeah. a fun spot. Um yeah. I don't know what you thought about the match length. I mean, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was really good, but I think it, I think it went a tad too long, in my personal opinion. I've never been a fan of really long matches, if I'm honest. I, I like, uh, I normally like 20, 25 minute matches. Usually, it depends on the action and and mm-hmm. who's involved. But uh, that's no. I've got a short attention span, so normally <laughs> yeah. twenty ma- twenty minute matches is about my limit. But I, I can't believe this is the same Dustin Rhodes that was um, in WWE. I mean, he's he, you know he's fifty and he's like a a guy reborn. He's he's mm-hmm. doing moves I've never seen him you know break out before, and he, he looks really good, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Like. It definitely like shows he has more to give. He, he got an opportunity to show that he had in his last few years as Goldust because he really didn't really do anything, and they didn't really allow him to do anything. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know if it he's gone away and added to his repertoire. It's always been there, and the way matches are booked in WWE hasn't let him do it. I mean, I do, I do think if um, AEW. Once a TV show starts and they hit the ground running, WWE might have to think about constraining their wrestlers so much with uh, their move sets. Yeah, I also think maybe he knew some people probably doubt what he had left, so 
I think he is trying a lot harder to prove that he still has a lot to offer. Uh, when we go circling back to what you said about the time limit, I do agree this, this probably didn't need the 60 minutes, the time limit that it had. Like it only went it went over just over 30 minutes. So maybe if you gave it a 30-minute time limit and that would ramp up the tension towards the finish, having them go very close to the time limit. Uh, but I get why they were doing it. They were trying to tell some a story in the match of the two brothers in the two different styles. I think the fact that they had a longer time limit, they didn't feel rushed, so that caused the match to drag well. But I think the last half, the second half I mentioned, wherein uh, Matt got the hot tag to Nick after being worked on for so long, uh, that's when the match really became got its best. Yeah, and another story in the match uh, was one, was it, was it Nick? I get the Jacksons mixed up. He went yeah. for a spear on uh, Cody in the corner and Cody moved out of the way and he smashed his elbow against the ring post and he was selling that for the rest of the match, wasn't he? And uh, Dustin and Cody worked worked on his arm as as you would when you realise he's got an injury. And for a lot for the end of the match, he was clutching his arm and holding it against his chest, so he, he was really selling it. Yeah, because the teeth later on when they went for the uh, the Meltzer guy would. Uh he'd be able to hold Cody up long enough to hit the move, but uh, a nice wee bit of story when uh, they took Dustin out of the match, so it was just Cody versus the Bucks, and they noticed Cody uh, holding the back of his head where the chair shot happened, because of the staples that he got in his head had just been taken out a few days prior, so they had the hesitation of the Bucks like, to super kick him in the back of the head, but eventually they do do it, and then they hit Cody with the Meltzer driver, and the Young Bucks pick up the win. Yeah, and I win the predictions, so I don't have to do December to December, thank God. I've never seen that show, and I won't have to see it either. Oh, good God, no. <laughs> have you actually seen it before, have you? I think I did. I think I watched it when it happened. I don't think I was that entertained when it happened, but I wasn't really bored. I didn't realise how bad it was until looking back on it retroactively, and I'm not looking forward to this. My only comfort is either Jimmy or Nathan will have to suffer through it with me. Yeah, I'm going to make another bold prediction, looking at Jimmy and Nathan's, and I have a feeling it's going to be Nathan that will be joining you, but you never know. Ah, uh, God, no. And also, um, they do predictions on the... Uh, ITR community and along with a couple of others, I, I I won that one as well. So I've done quite well on my predictions this week. Oh, I am the new voice of wrestling, obviously. Oh. Move aside, David. I'm here now. Oh, good God. <laughs> oh. I might get done for gimmick infringement, so we'll have to be careful. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to forgive the Young Bucks for this. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be firmly, I'll be firmly team Lucha Brothers come all out and probably going forward, like, I'll never be able to forgive them for this. Must admit, I was prepared to buy tickets for the um, awesome Kong ITR shows and go down there and, and say, oh, I would have won that if it wasn't for you interfering. And then I would have got killed by her, of course. But <laughs> Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say, like, I think it really could have went either way between the Bucks and uh, the Roads, so I took my bet and it didn't pay off. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I mean, it, it could have gone either way. I think 
I think you plump in for the Lucha Brothers. Uh, um, SCU over the Lucha Brothers was probably your downfall, to to be perfectly honest. But yeah, I think at the, time, at the time we had like, in, if we stuck with the productions that we had, it would have been kind of a tie. So I thought we needed an, a fifth one to kind of help break the tie. So that's why I went with SCU for the sake of the productions. But I did give you first pick on um, the women's tag team in the. And the buy-in, as they call it. So, and you did get that one right. I, even yeah. though you picked me, I, I, I did fancy um, Brit uh, Brit Baker's team, but then I saw some on the Facebook um, community by Andre that he said, "I can't see the Bees Prezi's team losing because they're both champions." And I thought, "Oh, balls! He's probably right." Yeah, especially <laughs> after the whole like supposed like uh, pack debacle with the. Uh, and being Dragon Gate champion and all that, but yeah, like I message, I didn't want well, to message you because I don't think you'd finish watching when I finished watching. I did send a message to Nathan who already yeah. knew the results <laughs> all in it, and uh, I'll just say it was full of expletives. The message I sent, he I sent you, to him. He said you weren't happy. Yeah, when I uh, texted him. Yeah, like uh, I really should not learn to not celebrate early on in a. Because I did, I had a group of pals. We did a bit of a sweep for double or nothing. I won the, uh, I got two points going into the buy, and I was very confident myself. And then I lost like five or so matches in a oh, row. No. <laughs> following that, like, oh, like I'm just like, don't celebrate when you're winning. Just that's my downfall. I, <laughs> I jinx myself really when it comes to AEW. I should know better. Yeah, like I don't even know, like I don't even know who it would be more fun to have to sit through ECW. Just never just remember with me, Jimmy or Nathan. Like I've heard Jimmy say that show haunts him, <laughs> so maybe he would be more fun. But either way, at least I won't suffer alone. Yeah, I think it'll be. I think you'll have some fun company either way, and it'll be a pod worth tuning into. See <laughs> two people who really don't well listen to two people who really don't like that event. After have to talk about it. Uh, uh, won't be the, it won't be the first time we've talked about a bad event from 2006. <laughs> That's true enough. But yeah. uh, uh, not to take away from this match, like the result, like we're talking about the result of it, but it was still a great, a good match, albeit a bit long in my opinion, but they did, uh, the Bucks did show some respect to the roads after the match and they came out with a very big check uh, to show the money that they were going to be given to the uh, victims, the gun violence and the charities that they were working with, and uh, KMA did an a altered version of his usual intro because his involves him making a gun motion, which he thought would be a bit too insensitive. So instead, it was good, no hand signal, but good night and goodbye, boing. Because <laughs> he said nobody get nobody's ever got in trouble for bouncing. <laughs> Yeah, it was a uh, was it 150 grand? So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well done. I thought it was a good. I've seen criticism, but I enjoyed most of the matches, and uh, I thought it was a good event all, all round. To be honest, I enjoyed the show. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. There, maybe enjoyed Double or Nothing or Fighting Fist a bit more, but I still enjoyed it, and uh, I'm looking forward to all of it. They've really built up a good card yeah, so far. It's definitely. Good. We've can't wait for that. Yeah, uh, what we've got now is we've got Adam, Hangman Adam Page versus uh, Chris Jericho 
for declaring the first ever AEW World Champion. We've got uh, John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. Uh, Best Friends versus the Dark Order for the first round by the tag tournament. Uh, possibly Cody versus Cody versus uh, Sean Spears in the first blood match. And the Lucha Brothers versus the Bucks for the AAA tag titles in a ladder match. So I'm sold already. Just take my money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. And it'll be a bit it's interesting. A... It'll be interesting day because we've got takeover cars the same yeah, day. Yeah, I was so about to mention that. I think Nathan's going to be there. Well, he, I think Nathan's going to be there live, or he's on about to me. He was going anyway because his brother wants to go. Yeah, so we might have I mean, on-site analysis. <laughs> so hopefully it'll be a bit easier. Given I think the uh, the takeover will be live our time, so around eight-ish. So hopefully yeah. it actually finishes. Around about the time the buying for AEW would start, so people were kicking up a fuss when WWE announced that. Oh, they're doing it to clash with all out, but it's yeah, it's going to be airing UK time, so it's not yeah. by the time it's finished. I mean, it'll be it'll finish before all out starts, so it's not going to clash at all. So I don't see the the problem really. Yeah, I mean, some people did have an issue uh, with the closing segment because. Uh, Cody said you can uh, counter-program AEW, which is obviously a shot at uh, WWE choosing to air Evolve's 10-year anniversary, yeah. which, again, like it, if it just so happens that that was happening that same day and WWE said they wanted to air it for a while, I, think, I don't think you can totally blame... Well, I don't, you, can't, you can't blame Evolve, but I don't think it was a fully malicious thing on their part. No, I mean, and, it, and also it's all... Um, you know, they're in different parts of the country, so it's not going to affect attendances. And they're all on, um, you know, download anytime, so yeah. or on demand, as we call it. Sorry. So you know, you can you can watch one live and then watch one the next day. So it's not that big of a deal in this day and age, is it really? Yeah, no, really, because I've actually watched a little bit of the Evolve show. It's not a bad, a bad show. Uh, like you said, like you can watch either of these shows anytime you want because of like the streaming all that and how different ways of like viewing content. It's not like back the last time we had competition where you had to have the fucking fight between two channels or choose one or the other. Where you can just you can you can watch all all of it if you want to, or you can yeah. pick a side if you want to. You can buy two tellies and watch them <laughs> simultaneously if you if you want. <laughs> yeah, uh, and hopefully. This will mean like, like more weekends like this where we have an AEW show one day and then WE the next. And maybe we can have more predictions contests like this and hopefully I'll do a better job next time around when it, when it comes to making predictions. Hopefully you won't if you're against me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think we're about ready to wrap up. Have you got any plugs you, you want to you wanna make, Scott? Uh, yeah, you can find me at scottmcleod1996. Uh, you can follow my other podcast, uh, Scotland Paul's Round Podcast, on Twitter at SP Rambling and our Facebook pages, facebook.com forward slash Round Podcast. It's, we talk a lot about wrestling, but it's more so a conversational podcast. Me and a good friend of mine, Paul, we talk about Frasier, we talk about just whatever's on our minds. Uh, but you can also follow the brand at Rogan underscore Pines on Twitter and Instagram. We've, got, we've just moved to Anchor and we're allowed to stream it on a lot of good Android podcasting sites like iTunes, Spotify and a lot of the sites we were already on but also we're, we're appearing on some new ones every day uh, we've got a long back catalog we've got Kayfabe Court which is probably our main thing we've got 
whatever Nathan is pal Ben cook up in yeah, their minds. The, the naked could, men they're calling themselves at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I really hope that's as far as it goes. It's just the name. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, hope oh, they're not uh, both uh, recording in the in the nude. Yeah, uh, check. I, I highly recommend you check out Creator Wrestler Me, Jeremy and Nathan. It's probably my finest brilliant. hour. It is. It's brilliant. Thank you. Uh, me and Jeremy are doing. Sorry. And and the Scots of darkest hour. The the Mandela effect. <laughs> oh, shut up. You, you gotta check out an episode of KP Court to find out what he's on about. Uh, me and Jimmy also do Retro Smackdown. We're starting uh, to go through all the episodes of Smackdown starting back in 1999. Uh, June, stay tuned to uh, the feed with uh, Nathan and Jimmy. We're going to have their Extreme Rules reviewing their predictions, and we'll soon find out who will join me in an upcoming podcast to review ECW December to dismember. I cannot say that with any sort of enthusiasm. <laughs> it just why, feels... why not? I don't understand. I'd also like to plug uh, mine and Nathan's podcast, um, Before the Storm, the prequel to Life is Strange, if you want to go and check that out. Uh, me and Sean Campbell have also started a, a Doctor Who podcast where we go 15 years back in time to 2005 and we're doing an episode episode analysis of uh, the new Doctor Who. Well, it's new to me because I'm old enough to remember the the original ones. But we we the less said about that, the better. So uh, yeah, the first one of those is up now. So check that out, and hopefully uh, the next one will be up within the next few days. Uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm will probably be out in a fortnight's time because there's so much content to get to record and get up. Uh, me and Nathan aren't going to get a chance to play and re- record it for this week, so hopefully you can uh, be patient and, and wait for that. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, we've, we're coming up with new and creative ideas every day for new content. Uh, uh, sometime next month when this mammoth G1 tournament finally wraps up, then we have our winner, me and uh, Carl hopefully going to keep up yeah. with the tournament over the next month, or at least we're trying to at the moment. We're not going well so far for, in terms of keeping up with it, but we're going to try and do our, like a recap of our favourite matches and moments and uh, what our thoughts are, who will eventually uh, make the finals and go on to Wrestle Kingdom 14 next year to challenge for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. But it should be a great tournament nonetheless. And also if uh, our esteemed editor will... Uh pick the song to end this that I request. You can, you can imagine me dancing my victory dance to it. Oh, God. And what is, what is this song? Uh, well, I'll, uh, I'll leave it as a surprise to, to, hook, to hook our esteemed listeners. Well, well I'll tell you when we stop recording. Uh, thank you very much for joining everyone. I'm ho- Hopefully you're having a good laugh at my pain at the moment. Hopefully you enjoyed our analysis of EW Fitful Fall and uh, we gave our Twitter Rogue underscore Fines if you had a different opinion feel free to reach out to us there or on our individual uh, Twitters leave us a one on Facebook as we say uh, and hopefully do stay tuned for me and either Nathan or Jimmy and you can laugh at more of our pain when we cover ECW <laughs> December to December coming sadly too soon for my trunk when I like him <laughs> Bye, I everyone. That's annoying. Bye, everyone. Bye.